At Amgen, our mission is to serve patients. As a biotechnology pioneer since 1980, Amgen was one of the first companies to realize the promise of this new science by bringing safe and effective novel therapeutics from lab to manufacturing plant to patient. Amgen therapeutics have changed the practice of medicine, helping millions of people around the world in the fight against cancer, kidney disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and other serious illnesses. With a deep and broad pipeline of potential new medicines, Amgen remains committed to moving science forward to dramatically improve people's lives. To learn more about our pioneering science, please visit our website at amgen.com. Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157 the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, enhancing the medical community's knowledge of science and biotechnology. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. For more information about Amgen, visit amgen.com. If you are at increased risk of Alzheimer's disease, would you like to know? Suppose you have a genetic background that makes you prone to heart attack maybe before you're 60. Would you like to know? I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. The Human Genome Project was completed in 2001, but it is only now starting to pay off. It cost a few billion dollars to determine the genetic sequence of that first human genome. Within a few years, it will be possible to sequence your genome for about $1,000. But what will we do with that information? Knowing that you are at increased risk of Alzheimer's might not help you much if nothing can be done to lower that risk or to prevent the illness. Here to help us is Professor Amy McGuire of the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. Professor McGuire is a lawyer and she has a PhD in ethics, so she is a member of that rare species we call ethicists. She was involved in the project to sequence the genome of the Nobel laureate James Watson, one of the discoverers of the structure of DNA. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, Professor McGuire. Thank you. So what was your involvement in the project to uh, sequence James Watson's DNA? I was brought on as a consultant in that project, and so I helped them sort through some of the ethical issues associated with that research project, particularly the involvement of the scientists at Baylor College of Medicine. Watson had agreed to this, obviously. What kind of ethical issues needed to be sorted out? Well, this was a human subjects research project, so it had to go through IRB review and get approval through the Baylor IRB. So I helped facilitate the process of bringing it to the Baylor IRB and making sure that all of the ethical considerations had been addressed. And some of the things that we were concerned about were making sure that he was adequately informed about the potential risks and benefits of his participation in this project, as well as addressing some of the specific issues that came up in the project, such as his right-to-know information that was generated from his genome, his desire to know information that was generated from his genome, his desire not to know certain information and how we were going to deal with that, as well as what implications this might have for his family members. It's interesting. Watson has been involved in research for something like 60 years, I think. He probably knows more about DNA and genetics than almost all of the rest of us, and yet you still had to go through this whole procedure. Yeah, I think many of the risks that were involved in the study itself were really social risks as opposed to physical risks or scientific risks. So yes, he did have very good knowledge of the genetics, which made the informed consent process with him probably a lot easier 
and helped us deal with some of these issues in a way maybe unique from a unique perspective that we may have not dealt with them the same way if it was a different participant. But there were still concerns that we had to address, and he still, as a research participant, had rights, and we, we were concerned for his benefit and also to reduce harm to him. So he might know more than you or me about genes and genomics, but the issues you're talking about are precisely the kinds of things that you think about and study and do your research on. It's kind of an interesting question whether geneticists are in a better position to understand what privacy risks they face when they participate in genetics research than the general population. They certainly understand how the genes work. They may have a better understanding of what the information might mean from them from a clinical perspective. But, you know, they're human beings like everybody else, and concerns about their privacy, I think, are not mediated by the fact that they have a degree or expertise in genetics. Now, there was another development, of course, in recent months. Not only did Jim Watson's DNA or genome sequence become public, but so did that of Craig Venter, another genomics pioneer who ran a private effort that essentially raced the government's human genome project to a tie. So here, here we have these two notable figures. We suddenly have their genomes as the first individual genomes decoded. Is this some sort of a landmark or watershed in in genomics research? Yeah, I think so. It certainly has been described that way. I think the fact that the technology has been advanced to the point where we could do an individual genome at a relatively affordable price in a relatively short amount of time is really a tremendous step forward in genetics research. Now, I know that I mentioned in my introduction that the $1,000 genome, so-called, is probably on the horizon in the next few years. I know that there are at least a couple of biotech companies working on that. Is that going to make life for people like you who worry about ethical considerations and privacy overwhelmed (laughs) with all the new questions it raises? Certainly, I think the fast pace of the technological advances brings some of these issues more to the fore and makes them a little bit more imminent than they might otherwise be. But many of the issues that we're discussing are not new issues. They're not unique to whole human genome sequencing, but they are intensified by whole human genome sequencing and by the technological advances and the pace at which we're advancing. What are the issues exactly? There's a whole series of issues. You mentioned privacy, a few things. Tick off, if you can, the three or four or five issues that we're talking about here. Well, I think the issues evolve as the technology progresses and evolves. And so right now, the issues that are most imminent that we're dealing with have to do with the generation of whole human genome sequences in the research context, because that's how they're being generated presently. So there are issues about informed consent, about appropriate IRB review and approval, about appropriate protections of privacy. One of the main policy initiatives in genetics research has been the broad access to genomic data that is generated during research. That's a, a big concern with regard to privacy is if we're, for example, in both Craig Venter and Jim Watson's genome, they were publicly released onto publicly accessible databases, and those individuals happened to be very identifiable because they identified themselves. So there were privacy concerns, not only for them, but also for their family members about whom their genome reveals certain, at least, risk information from a genetics perspective. I think as we move forward, the issues will start to change because as this technology becomes more affordable, People are going to utilize it both in clinical practice, so it may be that physicians are ordering broader assays and more and more genetic tests for their patients, and also there's a large consumer industry that's starting to build up. At least there's a lot of talk about companies starting to offer 
their services to do genomic analysis of individuals. So people will be getting that information outside of the medical context, which I think will raise important questions for the physician-patient relationship and for the clinical management of patients. Now, let me just underscore a couple of things you mentioned. A couple of times you mentioned IRB approval. I think some of our listeners may know what that is, but explain that to us just so that we all do. Okay. Anytime you're conducting research involving human subjects, the regulations require that you go through an institutional review board so that there's outside review of your research project in order to ensure that it is conducted in an ethical manner. So particularly if it's done at an academic institution, there are institutional review boards at the academic institution that will review the research project and make sure that issues of informed consent have been addressed, issues of privacy have been addressed, and that there's an appropriate risk-benefit ratio for the subject. For those of you who have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Amy McGuire of the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston about the new era of personal genomics. I've covered these things as a reporter for many years. I've talked to a lot of geneticists. I've talked to ethicists and various people about this. I might be interested in getting my genome decoded. What should I worry about if I wanted to do that? There certainly has been, you're not the first person to express that sentiment that they'd like to get their genome decoded. And I think a lot of people have just kind of a curiosity about it. Certainly, there's a lot of genomics-type services that are being offered now for ancestry tracing, for there's a whole field of nutrigenomics that will advise you about nutritional advice based on your genomic information. So I think people have generally a right to that information if they would like it. Before one goes out and seeks the services of somebody who can sequence their genome, I think they need to know certain important things. They need to know what the nature of the information that they're going to get back might be, and they need to be aware of the limited clinical significance of most of the information that they're going to get back. So most of the information that they might that they will get will simply satisfy their curiosity and will not really provide them with significant clinical information that might influence their medical decision-making or their lifestyle or or changes in their lifestyle. There are certain site-specific genetic testing that you don't need a whole genome scan to detect for particular disorders like, for example, a lot of people get tested for the BRCA genes if they have a family history of breast cancer. And even that genetic test is it's not always clear what the clinical management should be when you get a positive test result, but that's an area where we are doing genetic testing. So those site-specific genetic tests for diseases where there's a genetic mutation that is of high penetrance that we sort of are aware of what the clinical significance is, we tend to do genetic testing, but really only when there's some course of treatment that might be altered or some preventive measure that might be taken as a result of that test result. For those of you who have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Amy McGuire of the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston about the new era of personal genomics. If the technology improves as expected over the next year or two or three and it becomes reasonably economical, say $1,000, to have one's genome sequenced. Will the people that offer this, the companies that offer it, have to get approval from the FDA for that? If they're offering it for medical diagnostics, they probably do. I'm not actually that sure about what the FDA requirements are for that. I think it's an open discussion for companies that are offering direct-to-consumer testing. I've had some conversations with some companies who plan to do this, and I think from their perspective, they're offering information 
to individuals and not genetic diagnostics, right? I think there's a very fine line between information about you have this mutation or variation in a particular allele versus this is predictive. So I think there's a fine line there, and that's an issue that the FDA is going to have to come down on. Well, that sounds like a good place to stop. We've been talking about the new era of personal genomics with Professor Amy McGuire, a lawyer and ethicist at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. Thanks for being with us, Professor McGuire. Thank you. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. For comments and questions, send an email to innovations at reachmd.com. We would love to hear your suggestions for future shows. Please let us know. Again, the email is innovations at reachmd.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Innovations in Medicine on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines.